Hi, I'm Jason Wachab, founder and CEO of MindBuddyGreen, the best-selling author of Wealth, and your host for the MindBuddyGreen podcast, where I'll be bringing you deep and insightful dialogues with some of the greatest minds in wellness. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review, comment, and share with your friends and family. And don't forget to visit us at mindbuddygreen.com for your daily dose of wellness. Thanks and enjoy the podcast. Hi, it's Colleen here, co-founder and chief brand officer of MindBodyGreen. I want to share that Jason, Ellie, and I have fallen in love with listening out loud. We have Sono set up throughout our Brooklyn apartment, and it has really changed our life at home. We have three Sonos Play One speakers set up in our great room where we unwind with good tunes after a long day. I also love listening to podcasts on our Sonos while I cook. There's another Sonos speaker in our baby Ellie's room who falls asleep so easily to the sound of white noise. There's also a Sonos play base in our bedroom so we can listen to guided meditations in the morning or at bedtime. Having a great sound system has changed our lives. As a husband and wife team, it helps bring us out of work mode and tune into family time. I'm thrilled to share that Sonos is offering the listeners of the Mind Body Green podcast 10% off one order of $2,500 or less for any product on Sonos.com. This offer is available for a limited time only and cannot be combined with other discounts or promotions. Use the promo code MINDBODY10, capital M-I-N-D-B-O-D-Y-1-0 at Sonos.com to receive this offer. Hey, everybody. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you all for listening to the podcast and to say that we want to listen to you. So if you have any questions, any dream guests, we are all ears. I would love to hear from you. So ask me anything and stay tuned for the answers or your dream guests on this very podcast. Send your questions to podcast at mindbodygreen.com. That's podcast at mindbodygreen.com. And I look forward to hearing from all of you. Thanks so much. And let's go back to the podcast. Robin Burzen is a functional medicine physician and the founder of Parsley Health, one of the nation's top functional medicine practices with offices in New York, Los Angeles, and San Francisco. And that's not all. She's also a certified yoga instructor, meditation teacher, and has also even studied Ayurveda. Her personal wellness philosophy is all about personalization and experimenting until you find what works for you. She's Mind Body Green's Stress Solution class instructor and a member of the MBG Collective. To put it simply, there's a lot we can learn from her about our own health and well-being. Well, I'm thrilled to be here with my friend, Dr. Robin Burzen, founder and CEO of Parsley Health. Welcome, Robin. Oh my gosh, it's such an honor to be here. I'm so excited. Let's start with first telling our audience a little bit more about Parsley Health, although I know everyone here in New York, L.A., and San Francisco are already members of our community, your community, I'm sure. Uh, So, yeah. So I'm a physician. You know, I've trained in conventional medicine at Columbia here in New York City. Uh, I also uh, trained in something called functional medicine and just always was really interested in how we could transform healthcare. So I've been like a deep nerd for a long time. And so Parsley was born of this idea that we should all have access to a doctor who 
listens to us, who spends time with us, who's looking at every aspect of our lives from what we eat to what our relationships are like to how we exercise to how we manage stress to what our genes are. And there's factoring all of that into our medical care every day. And so there were doctors kind of doing that. And then there's primary care doctors. And no one had brought that together and created something that was bigger than the sort of sum of the parts. And so Parsley was born of the goal to make a kind of medicine like that accessible to everyone. And so we started it a couple years ago. I started the first clinic in 2015 by myself. It was like me, two amazing part-time health coaches, and that was basically it. And we grew the company over the past couple of years to be in three cities, NYC, LA, and San Francisco, which is crazy. Um, so anyone in any of those cities can be a member. And then we also have had people fly from around the country and the world to see us in person the first time and then follow up with us over video which has also been crazy and weird. So, yeah. <laughs> and was there a moment in time when you had been on this conventional medicine path, you went to Columbia, where you were like, okay, this isn't for me. I know I want to go a different way. You know, functional medicine is all the rage right now, but I imagine when you were in medical school, there was not a lot of people talking about it in the same way that they are right now. Like, what caused you to take this path? I mean, when I started med school, my buddy green didn't even exist. <laughs> no way! It was like the early days. Um, it was like the time before. Uh, yeah, I mean, I actually am a weird person. Like, I knew that I wanted to do something different and in this space going into medical school. So I had become a yoga teacher and a meditation teacher. And it was really through my love of yoga that I got really interested in the connection between the mind and the body. I got interested in health in the first place. In college, I never thought I'd be a doctor. Really? And yeah, not at all. I wasn't What did you go to college thinking you were going to be doing? I had no idea, man. I graduated with like an international relations that major. That was my degree. Oh my gosh, but it's like, it's kind of useless though, right? Totally. I mean, you, you don't sit here at Mind Buddy Green every day and you're like, thank gosh for that IR degree. I'm personally not joining the United Nations anytime soon, but... It could serve you in that capacity. Maybe someday down the line. Yeah. Um, so basically graduated, not really knowing what I wanted to do. Although if I look back, I did have an interest in public health in, in college. But I uh, was working at the U.S. Attorney's Office as a paralegal, like prosecuting securities fraud and was on the Martha Stewart trial. And I was like, you know, and I started going to yoga all the time down the financial district. This is like right after 9-11. And I was like, you know, I'm glad that somebody prosecutes securities fraud, but I just don't think it should be me. And so I found this love of yoga, and through that I discovered my interest in medicine, went back to school to do my prereqs, and then went to Columbia for med school, but always interested in population health, nutrition, uh, how we could kind of do something different in primary care or in medicine in general. And then also along the way, co-founded a health tech company uh, called Curator, which is a secure messaging app for healthcare providers, for doctors, basically, like you know, back like Slack kind of before Slack, yep. but for doctors, but like less cool than that because it's just less cool, but uh, founded that. And so it was sort of this journey of all of these things. And then in the midst of, uh, before I went to med school, actually, was the producer for Dr. Oz's radio show and worked for Oprah for a year before I even went to Columbia. And I met all these incredible functional doctors like Dr. Lippman and Dr. Hyman, who I know I'm sure have been on this podcast or will be. Yes. And, yes. and you know, I was really inspired by them and the work they were doing. So this is like a roundabout way of saying all of these things that I was passionate about, technology, healthcare, public health, yoga, functional medicine, kind of like 
finally came together. In so was it one of those like Steve Jobs moments where you can't connect the dots going forward, only looking backwards, and it all seemed to add up after the fact. But when you're going through all this, you weren't like, this is going to help me when I become a functional medicine entrepreneur. Oh my gosh, totally. There's so many moments along the way where I think after residency, I was consulting for Health 2.0, and that was really interesting. And I was also work practicing physician in a functional practice here in New York City. And I was like, very on the fence. Like, do I go the clinical route or do I go this like innovator entrepreneur tech route? And I, I basically figured out I needed to do both. I needed to marry my clinical passion for a more holistic, more root cause, more resolution and solution oriented type of medicine with this idea that I just, I like to solve problems in a big way and doing something that could affect a lot of people versus the number of people that I ever had the hours in the day to see as a doctor was something I wanted to figure out how to do. So this Parsley Health is an amalgamation of all your passions and interests in one. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So you're seeing patients, or you and your doctors in LA, New York, San Francisco, and then people flying in to see you guys and then continuing the relationship uh, through technology. Is there one universal health complaint that you see the most of? You know, it's all the thing. I mean, it's, it's yes in that it's the diseases of modern life, right? It's the diseases that and the symptoms that we're living our way into. We're living ourselves sick as a population through what we eat, through our consumption of media, through not moving, through how we manage stress, through the destruction of our microbiome. Uh, we're it's everyone, right? And it's regardless of who you are and, you know, how old you are and whether you're a man or a woman, all these things, uh, it's the disease of sort of modern life. And so that's a lot of GI complaints. It's a lot of hormone imbalances and infertility. It's mental health, you know, depression, anxiety, fatigue. It's autoimmune, which has skyrocketed, especially among women. Mm -hmm. 78% of autoimmune diseases among women. There's at least 50 million people with autoimmune conditions today perhaps more, because a lot of it's really undiagnosed. Uh, And then, you know, it's also cardiovascular and blood sugar, because that's, you know, massive. And so really, it's it's all of those things. I mean, I think sometimes people initially see Parsley Health, and I think this is less now, but, you know, for a long time, we're like, oh, it's just for the worried well, or it's just sort of for that optimizer. And we do have a lot of people for whom that that's why they come in, they're pretty healthy. But Maybe they had a parent who had a heart attack early or they have a family history of Alzheimer's and they want to do genetic testing with us and see if they might be at risk for that. But there's nothing wrong with them right now. And we do have a lot of those people who work with us to prevent, to optimize. And I think that's amazing. And so we love working with those patients. We can test your microbiome and check out your cortisol levels and uh, optimize your diet and your energy and your sleep, uh, and which is amazing. But we also have, you know, I think the majority of people are coming to us with a thing. And maybe a doctor has given that thing a name. Mm-hmm. You know, you have Crohn's disease or you have PCOS. Um, and sometimes it's, this doesn't have a name. It's I'm tired and I'm bloated and I'm not getting my period regularly or I can't get pregnant and I'm being told to immediately get IVF and I don't want to do that. Uh, I, you know, have high blood sugar or I'm just dizzy all the time, like whatever it is. Right. Um, and then we're the ones who spend time with you and figure it out. So is there a core Parsley Health persona? I'm sure if you guys have grown, you're treating all different types of people. But if there's one type of like core patient, who would that be? Yeah. You know, I mean, I can give you sort of the stats. Our average age is 36. Okay. Um, but we span 17 to 80 years old. Wow. Across our membership. 
Um, we have more women than men, but our male cohort is there and holding strong and not going anywhere. So it's not like a, it's not 50, 50, but yeah. it's not, you know, all sort of all women. Um, and average age is 36, but again, it's kind of everyone. I always joke that the women come at 30 and the men come at 40. Like men tend to not want to deal with their health or in, engage in healthcare until there's crisis. Sure. Or until they hit that, like, maybe I'm a little older. Right. I have to face this reality. And then they sort of get interested and women tend to get interested earlier. So if you look at our population, it spans like you know, men who might skew a little older and women who are a little bit younger on the balance. But it's really everyone. And then the like... I mean, I'm about to say top secret, but it's on the Mind Body Green podcast, so it's not going to be. Um, We're all family. I'm going to regret the saying this. I know that for my head of operations is going to kill me, but um, we have just hired our first pediatrician. Um, Amazing. Yeah, we're not seeing kids yet. Um, she's in New York. She's wonderful, and we're just starting to look at how we offer. You know, at Parsley Health for our adults, we're primary care. We are like the future of primary care. So you don't need another primary care doctor. Now, if you have one that you're obsessed with or whatever, we're not going to like make you not talk to them. But a lot of people, you know, for most people, we see ourselves as the future of primary care. For pediatrics, we probably, you'll still need to have your own pediatrician to start with at least. Um, but so many of our members are parents and have asked us to see their kids and we get requests daily. And so I just couldn't ignore that. And I don't, I definitely see a world where we can help the whole family. And my goal is that we're there through for you throughout your lifetime of your health. I'm sure you've understood the need for this over the past year as well. Oh yeah. It's all, it's all, it's all making more sense now. Coincidence. <laughs> Very cool. So is there some supplements that you just recommend for everyone out there, regardless of whether you're coming into Parsley Health because you're a man or a woman, but just that we should all be taking that are kind of foundational to the Parsley Health DNA. There are supplements that are foundational to Parsley Health because there's so many people who need them. But that said, like, I don't believe that there's supplements that everyone should be taking. Okay. I'm not in that camp. Like, I think that there's a there are supplements like vitamin D, um, D3K2, which we offer... Um, we have a great probiotic at Parsley, which can be really helpful for people with GI issues or who've had a lot of antibiotics and so forth. Um, there are, you know, things like magnesium glycinate, which I take every night because I'm not the greatest, world's greatest sleeper. So yeah. it helps me sleep more deeply. But those things are all specific. Now, to me, in that, like, if I lived somewhere where I was outside all day, every day in the sun, would I need a vitamin D supplement? Probably not. Right. Um, if I, you know, also lived in the middle of nowhere in nature and pure quiet and never looked at a screen, would I need magnesium glycinate to have my deepest, most restful sleep? Possibly not. Right. And so, at Parsley, our philosophy is that a lot of people are just taking a lot of stuff. Uh, and I, we really believe in taking things that are designed for you or best for you based on some sort of guidance and evaluation so that you're not just taking stuff for the sake of taking stuff and that you're not taking stuff you don't need and that you are taking things that you do need. Um, that said, all of that said, like in today's world and the, you know, if you're talking to many of us probably listening to this, uh, things like vitamin D, things like probiotics, things like Magnesium um, Those are can the be top really three supplements our audience takes. Yeah, really. Probiotic, vitamin D, and then magnesium. And those are great things. Um, and they're you know it's they're they're not going to hurt, and they definitely can do some really good things for you. Yep. Um, I always just encourage people to like take something for a while and see how you feel. You know, I prescribed one of my um, our patients in LA. She is a new mom, and she had 
stopped breastfeeding and her daughter was sleeping through the night, but she was, this is like a year in, but she was still waking up a couple times a night because she'd become so conditioned to waking up to breastfeed. I totally understand that feeling. So she didn't know what to do and there's not a lot of things. Um, she was still nursing like once a day. So there's not a lot of things when you can take when you're pregnant or you're nursing that you feel like are safe for baby. And so I prescribed her some magnesium glycinate for bedtime and she sent me an email and she was like, oh my God, this has been game changing. And so if there's like that kind of guidance, I mean, for a lot of our female patients who are thinking about becoming pregnant, we also have a parsley prenatal. That one I'm really passionate about. Now, clearly not everybody needs that all the time, but, uh, you know, the prenatal that my, you know, first OB at Cornell, like fancy doctor prescribed had like, an, or recommended off the shelf off of, you know, buy it anywhere, had like dyes in it and chemicals. You know, the average physicians are not trained to sort of think closely about supplements and use them as as tools we see supplements as tools so a medication is a tool a supplement is a tool meditation is a tool your diet is a tool these are all things that we can work with and it's our day job at parsley to help you know what to work with for you and when you talk about prenatal so so many women if you're having an average age of around 30 when their women are thinking about having a baby just having a baby um, maybe nursing at what point in time should a woman be on a prenatal as opposed to other supplements? Yeah. So if you think you're going to be trying in the near future, it's time to start taking a prenatal. Um, but if you're taking one a couple months before pregnancy, uh, three months before, uh, that's great. You know, I think the fears that we have about like folic acid deficiency and spina bifida and some of the things that, uh, you know, the reason we created prenatals in the first place a long time ago, uh, today it's, it's less likely to have those problems because often people do eat packaged foods and there's often the, often those foods are fortified. Right. Um, but in terms of getting all of the good nutrients in that you want, uh, the things we actually have a whole like fertility prep program at Parsley and it includes things like, Genetic testing, not for the stuff that your OB tests for to see if you're a carrier of something that could cause a a defect or a disease that's inherited, Um, but looking at things like what is your MTHFR status and should you be on a prenatal that um, is methylated or not? And how could that impact things like miscarriage risk? And are you, do you have a thyroid imbalance? Because that often goes unnoticed. One in eight women in our lifetime will be diagnosed with a thyroid disease. Doctors aren't testing for it. And so that can be an issue around pregnancy. We're testing total body storage of heavy metals. If you've eaten a ton of sushi for a long time and you're not the world's greatest detoxifier, then you might have built up heavy metals in your system. We can test for that and help you pull some of them out so that when you are pregnant, some of those metals aren't going into baby. Um, Educating women about how to eat well um, before and during pregnancy. I mean, I always say like as healthy as you go in is as healthy as you'll come out. For sure. So we talked a little bit about supplements as tools. What are the other tools that seem to work for most of your patients, like that are foundational to a healthy lifestyle? We talk about the plant-based paleo uh, eating philosophy a lot. And people are like, wait, plant-based paleo? What, what are you saying? What a contradiction. Uh, we should all be eating mostly plants and a lot of fiber. Americans get like, you know, no fiber in a day. And you really should be getting to 30 to 50 grams. I guarantee if you did a rough count or most people did a rough count, they're not getting anything close to that, which is not great for blood sugar. It increases colon cancer risk. Uh, if you're eat, getting a lot of fiber from whole food sources, you're getting, that means you're eating a lot of plants. And then from there, protein, most people aren't, are eating a very high carb diet. So whether you're getting, eating plant-based proteins or well-sourced animal-based proteins, we're not dogmatic about being vegan or eating animal protein. That can be a really personal decision. 
there's many ways to be healthy, whether or not you eat animal protein and whether or not that's part of your ethical or personal philosophy. But we see people eating far too many carbs, far too many refined carbs, uh, far too much sugar, and not getting enough fiber, not getting enough greens, and not getting enough healthy fats. You know, we're really supposed to get around a four to one ratio of omega six fatty acids, which are the fats in like vegetable oils and things, versus omega threes, which is like, uh, you know, fish oils and flax seeds and walnuts. And in America, people get on average something like 26 to one, which literally means that the building blocks of your brain and the building blocks of your cells, which are fatty acids, are not able to be composed of the right fats. So it's like, it's like just building your body sort of in the wrong way. Right. Uh, and so people are getting way too many, many vegetable oils, too much omega-6 fat, fatty acids. And so when we say proteins, greens, and healthy fats, which goes into pretty much everyone's parsley health prescription, whether they're on an autoimmune paleo diet or they're just on what we call our general core diet, which is our sort of healthy for everyone diet if you're not trying to deal with a particular issue or a cardiovascular health diet – Proteins, greens, and healthy fats, that plant-based paleo philosophy is like the foundation. You talked a little bit about testing. What are the tests that you recommend everyone who's interested in proactive health just get? That's a long list. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think you should get testing once a year. Uh, I think the idea of waiting until there's a horrible problem to get anything tested is silly in today's world. I think uh, the cost of a lot of blood work and stuff has calmed down, and so there's just no Mm -hmm. reason not to look at things. I think everyone should look at basic nutrient levels, including B vitamins and vitamin D. I think everyone should be looking at inflammation levels, HSCRP and ESR. Everyone should have their thyroid looked at. Everyone should look at um, their blood cells and their uh, electrolyte function, kidney and liver function, uh, sort of be cholesterol and lipid profile, and not just the total cholesterol, but actually are, is the LDL made up of inflammatory particles or is it made up of healthy, fluffy particles? Uh, these are the things. So we started... We always had one membership at Parsley Health forever. I was like, okay, there's one membership. It's 150 bucks a month. It's an annual membership, like my way or the highway. Like this is what we got. I also just we were new, and I didn't want to confuse people. Uh, but in the fall, we launched our first ever one-time assessment. So you can sign up for the Parsley assessment. Uh, you get blood work before you come in for that one, not for our regular membership, but for that one, you get blood work before you come in, and then you have a 75-minute visit with your doctor going over that blood work, in-depth history and physical, going over everything that's happened in your life and pulling all that together into a plan that includes nutrition, supplements if necessary, medications if necessary, uh, mental health exercise and health coaching. And then after that, you get a meeting with one of our health coaches to go over that and make sure it all makes sense and you can do it. If you're like radically healthy and there's absolutely nothing wrong with you, that might be all you need once a year. Right. You don't need an annual membership necessarily. And so we kind of attracted this audience of folks who were that person and wanted to just do that once a year. And, you know, there's all these executive physicals out there and they cost like 2,500 bucks or 10,000 bucks. And people will bring me these printouts from them and I'm always like laughing at them because they're... Will they fax it over to you? Oh yeah, maybe if we like call 17,000 times and ask for a fax and wait by it. Uh, so we're, I'm always just laughing at those cause they're kind of a waste of money and they're pretty superficial and often they're more superficial than what we do as part of our assessment, uh, which is 500. So it's just, we're now we're sort of slowly trying to offer different ways to work with Parsley Health as we grow. You mentioned earlier in our conversation that some people maybe have a relative who has Alzheimer's and they're coming in proactively to find out 
hey, is this something I may have a genetic risk for? And I'm assuming the, and what should I do about it? Mm -hmm. Where is the science around Alzheimer's in terms of can you use diet as a tool to help? Yeah. So the answer is we don't know. So when I talk to people about genetic information, I always say that we are the snowflake on the tip of the iceberg of medical understanding on genomics. And that being getting your genome read and analyzing it and talking to a doctor about it is like, we talk about the 1% of wealth, right? But this Mm -hmm. is like the 1% of health to be able to do that. And it's a, it's really cool. And so what I do see is a lot of people getting these random sort of direct to consumer genomic tests, which I'm all for direct to consumer testing, because I think the more empowered and knowledgeable we are, the better we'll be as a society. So I'm all for that. But generally, people have no idea what to do when they get a vitamin D level back from one of these tests. What should I take? How much should I take? What am I shooting for? When should I retest? What products are good? What products are bad? And so that's where we come in. And so for genomics, a couple things. One, we usually will take um, somebody's 23andMe readout where the actual analysis of that is not terribly helpful, but we'll take the raw data, have them feed it through Promethease, which is a digest of Snipedia, which is the basically like everything we know about genomics today, single nucleotide polymorphism SNPs, and what the research says about them. Okay. And then your Parsley doctor, this is like a whole one of your visits at Parsley, before you come in, will filter the Promethease data through both a Parsley read where we've picked out about 12 genes that we think are interesting to look at based on the research um, and we'll look at them with you, and then when we, that we've worked with Prometheus to create for us. But then on top of that, we'll look at sort of the general read and anything that has um, m- more significance to it, we'll talk to you about. And so here's the typical scenario. Okay. Somebody gets their whole ge- like genome read by 23andMe, it's like kind of, the report's kind of useless, and then they send it through Prometheus and they get this giant digest, and they're like, I have no idea what this means either. Uh, and so we'll break it down, and then we'll go through the things that have certain significance, and hey, it looks like you have higher risk factors of type 2 diabetes and you have higher risk factors of cardiovascular disease and maybe you have you know, both copies of APOE4 which make you more likely, though not destined necessarily, to have Alzheimer's in an earlier age. Right. And then we take all that and we put that into a program for you that says here's how to live your healthiest life to mitigate anything that you can do that we know you can do to mitigate heart disease, type 2 diabetes, and Alzheimer's, because there is some research that Alzheimer's is type 3 diabetes or a metabolic disease. And I think that's part of what we know. And I think to simplify it that, to that is probably too going too far. Yep. Um, but we know that when the vasculature in the brain um, gets inflamed or gummed up or you're, you know, you're um, otherwise metabolically um, ill, it affects the brain too. Um, yep. And so... We then say, listen, most genetic information is a, it's a potential. It's not a diagnosis. There's very few genes today. Cystic fibrosis, or for instance, being one that, okay, you have this gene, you have this disease. Right. Most genes are, you maybe have this potential for this. Right. And so if you do that, if you know that, then, and you know that your risk factors are higher, well, wow, maybe that's a little bit more motivating to you to do all the things that we know that you need to do anyway to maintain a a healthy weight. And I have a a broad version of what that means. A healthy weight doesn't mean skinny, but a healthy weight. Um, You maintain a low hemoglobin A1C, which is a measure of blood sugar over time, uh, which is another test that everybody should get. Uh, You maintain, um, you don't smoke. It's reasonable alcohol consumption because alcohol consumption 
even though it's popular, has been tied to so many diseases from cancer um, to colon. You How know. much alcohol? Oh my gosh! You know, a glass of red wine with dinner—that's gl- okay. A glass of red wine is dinner with dinner is okay. Um, but and there's also some benefits that have been shown to drinking alcohol in moderation. Uh, alcohol is an interesting one. You know, people will get really into you know organic and you know, pesticides and non-GMO with their food, and then they'll go drink conventional wine. Uh, and so I saw on Jason's Instagram recently that dry he, farm you guys were drinking a bottle of dry farm wines and then having like this day. And I was like, I want to come over. Always welcome. <laughs> but, you know, taking care that, you know, wine can be a dirty crop, right? So yeah. um, non-toxic, anything that you're putting into your body, like take no- be, be mindful. And I think that consumers on the whole are increasingly so. And so we're seeing all these amazing new products that are hopefully good for the world and good for us. But you know, back to the genomic information, uh, it can be it can be really meaningful. And then to go from there, I had a patient who, she's a young, beautiful woman walking down the street, who never think there's anything was ever wrong with her, um, or said she was dealing with any kind of health issue. But she had ulcerative colitis, which is a pretty serious autoimmune disease. We've been able to keep her out of having a flare for three years. She had been hospitalized once a year before it, before that, and we've done that with wow. diet and lowering inflammation. And then. It was so interesting. We did the 23andMe Promethease, and we saw all of these genes come back, and we learned that she maybe had a really high risk of gastric cancer at a very young age. It was a really serious thing. Uh, and what we did then, though, is we took a beat, and we sent her up to Columbia to the top geneticist there to rerun it because 23andMe is not perfect. None of these services are perfect. Sure. I don't mean to pick on them. They're just the ones that everybody knows, but there's many, many others. And again, I'm, I'm all for people getting this kind of information. But... Uh, and then uh, at Columbia, they were able to determine that it had been a miscall and she didn't actually have this gene. And so that's where, while I'm for everyone having as much information on themselves as they can and using that, you know, my day job is to know about this stuff and to help guide you. And your day job might be something else. So if you're not the expert in this, it's so important to work with someone who is, who can help you digest this information. Because I just think that we're so at the forefront of all of it. Right. I think that's very good caution to, to give as people popularize these tests and they become yeah. more and more a part of people's day to day. So you, you talked a, a little bit about nutrition and, you know, there's another huge leap that we're making and is the world of personalized nutrition. I'm hearing a lot about it. A lot of people can you know, optimize how you eat for your genetic makeup. Where's mm-hmm. the science there and how far close are we from, you know, having that be real tools to help us live better. You know, I've seen sometimes people will bring me some of those reports on, you're these genes, so you should eat this kind of diet. And I generally kind of throw them out. I mean, I I don't, (laughs) it's only in that it's just such a small piece of the puzzle. How you metabolize your food is going to be impacted by your stress levels, your cortisol levels in real time. We do four-point salivary cortisol levels at Parsley for people who are suffering from fatigue or insomnia or weight gain, especially abdominal weight gain, blood sugar issues. It can be really instructive to help people understand how their cortisol is looking over the day. Is it low? Is it high? But like, I can't wait for having continuous monitoring of cortisol because that day of it that we look at is a snapshot in time, right? And so there's so much. We now know that your microbiome profile can impact how you metabolize calories, how many you absorb, um, can impact your thyroid and how fast your metabolism works. We know that hormone imbalances can impact that. So, and we also know that, you know, genes are 
not always turned off or turned on. So the field of epigenetics, which has fascinated me for years, is understanding sure. how our genes are turned on and off in real time. And so you could have a gene for something, doesn't mean it's affecting you right now. And so, so far, this stuff isn't that impactful because the reality is most people sort of get this information and sort of take it as gospel that this is what they should be eating. But it's on a test. It must be. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, you know, it says a letter here. Um, It's like a grade in high school. But, you know, it's really about doing the process, doing the elimination diet or, or, you know, if you're going to assume that you should eat a certain type of diet, you know, hot, lots of vegetables, fish, not a lot of meat, for instance, um, like Mediterranean diet for cardiovascular disease. Are you testing your full lipid profile before? Are you testing your blood sugar before? Are you doing that diet for 60 days and then testing again? And are you considering all the other factors that could be important for how you metabolize anything? Uh, and so I just, I think that these things are the beginning of something, but I think I always caution people to assume that they're the end all of be all. Say, oh, I have these genes, so therefore I must eat this diet and then to eat that way forever uh, is a little silly. We're dynamic creatures. As we age, we change. And sometimes our needs are different depending on our age, our context, you know, everything. That makes a lot of sense. So where do you see medicine in five years? Like what gets you excited about things that you will be able to bring to your patients and your community? I'm, this is so nerdy. I'm sorry, everyone. We're having like the nerdiest conversation ever. Welcome, Dr. Robin. Um, I mean, I don't know how to answer that question other than to say I'm excited about data. Like, <laughs> I, like I've created Parsley Health as this template, and our mission is to be your doctor for life. We want to be the doctor of the future. We, are, we see ourselves as the doctor of the future. And whether you end up... Um, signing in online at Parsley Health and entering in some of your data and based on all of the data we've collected around our work, you know, not specific to any one person, but in an aggregated, de-identified, you know, secure way, we've aggregated this data and it's allowed us to take this brain that we're forming collectively at Parsley and you might live in a place where you're not close to Parsley Health and you might not come in, but you might be able to enter some of your data, get testing wherever you are, add that in and get recommendations that are truly personalized to you based on our philosophy of how we see medicine. And so at that point, you know, I don't really care if you watch one of our videos or see one of our doctors in person or work with one of our health coaches via telemedicine or get an analysis of your health from us online and we help you change the trajectory of your life and your health, then like we've done our job. And so I'm really just excited about expanding this concept of what it means to be a doctor, expanding how we can help people in medicine beyond the sort of very narrow ways that we've sort of allowed ourselves to in in the past. And I think that technology is allowing us to look at all of these data points and meld them together in, in ways that we never could have envisioned before to draw better and bigger conclusions. Very cool. So switching gears a bit, you and I both had significant life events within a month of each other, bringing yep. our babies into the world. How is bringing, how's being a mom changed your perspective on health and wellness? It's so interesting. I mean, I, my son is one as of last week, which is still blowing my mind. And I definitely see the world differently. And I don't think I was expecting that. 
I was really afraid, first of all. I had all these fears about having a baby. I thought it would slow me down. I thought it would like ruin my career, that I wouldn't be able to do anything, and that it was all just over. And I used these fears that I projected onto reality to like delay and delay and delay <laughs> until finally my husband was like, nah. Um, and I was like, okay, we'll try. Um, and first of all, luckily had a really healthy pregnancy and like wasn't slowed down by that really at all until obviously in the very end and you're huge and you don't want to go anywhere, but literally until then it was fine. And then after, of course, the first few weeks, uh, yeah, it's like being hit by a truck. But after that, uh, I just see the world in a different way. And I always describe it as like, it's being added to it. So I looked at having a child as like taking away from my old life, but it's like, I get all these awesome things about my old life. And then I get this added perspective of seeing the world, how he sees it. And I just get to delight in all these things that make little kids happy. Like, you know, like he's just hysterically laughing at the stupid little song or pointing at things. And it's just so excited all the time. It's the ultimate sense of presence. And so that to me has been this really big added gift for someone who tends to get stressed out and like run around like crazy and always be working, um, that's been amazing and it hasn't slowed me down at all. So what is a typical day like for you since you're a doctor, but you're also a CEO? How do you divide your time? I currently see patients one day a week. Okay. Uh, so I have all my patients on one day, although um, we have unlimited messaging with your doctor and your team throughout the year at Parsley. So I do respond to messages from my patients every day. So I'm doing some clinical care every day. Um, I'm not seeking new patients um, so that I have time for my existing ones. And then the rest of the week is focusing on running the company. So everything from marketing to operations to hiring to our product roadmap on the technology side, to fundraising. Those are sort of like the big uh, categories. And then it's interesting, like the, t- the the pace is different, right? Like I'll get to, the, get to work and it's sort of a crazy day inevitably always because there's just so much going on and then I'm all in. But then now I like have to stop, right? Because I have to stop and go home and put Dax to bed, which is so awesome. Like, I thought that was going to be the end of everything, but that actually has been amazing. And then if I need to pick up again at night and, like, take care of some things, I can. And, you know, when you found your own company, like, you and Jason know this. It, listen, it's it's every day of the year. It's 24-7. Even when you go on vacation, like, the buck stops with you. So you never – it's never, like – you can never just be like, bye, let me know how it's out. I'm out of office response. Right. See and you next like week. Catch up on a couple weeks of email later. Like it doesn't work like that yeah. um, in startup life. But for whatever crazy reason, you know, this is what I've signed up for and I'm, I'm happy with it because I can't imagine doing anything else. Um, but I have learned through being a mother, I think, better anyway, to, to be able to toggle on that on and off switch, which before, literally, unless I was in a yoga class, right. or for some reason you like put me on a beach for at least four days, which is how long it takes me to like arrive somewhere, I couldn't, I was like always in it, you know? Um, and so I think that's an awesome and frankly critical life skill to be able to like toggle between on and off. So that's been good. So besides putting Dax to bed. I imagine bath time too. What are some of the things that you do to help you turn off? Oh, a couple things. Uh, meditation has been huge for me. I mean, my meditation practice, I feel like has, has just changed my life since I was in my early twenties and kind of discovered it. So that is my like grounding for everything. I love yoga. Are you twice a day meditator? No, I'm like a very, 
I'll meditate usually for a few minutes every day at some point. Um, my husband meditates in the morning, and so lately I've been meditating with him, which is a really funny exercise where we sit down, the baby crawls all around us, and the dogs crawl all around us, and the amount of noise is just like cacophonous, and we're like, okay, if we can do this, we can do anything. <laughs> Um, so we do that in the mornings but lately, and then I'm sort of a more sporadic person though, where I like to meditate for a long time. So I'll meditate for a few minutes every day, but then a couple times a week, I'll meditate for more like 30 to an hour. Whoa. Um, because I've long done a couple different practices, one Vipassana, which is like a body scanning technique. And then another one, which is called clairvoyant meditation. There's actually a really awesome school for all of you people out there called the Clairvoyant School of Hawaii, and I've done a lot of their meditation courses. And now there's someone named um, Dave Gandelman who has something called Grounded Mind, um, and they offer these more um, visualization, let's say, based meditations, uh, which are which I really like. And so for me to like get into those, I need a little bit more time. Very cool. Um, and magnesium, I assume, at night too? Oh, yeah. Magnesium. Glycinate. Can you ever take too much magnesium? You'd have to take a lot. Like people are like really worried about it. If you take too much, it kind of can give you the runs. Even the magnesium glycinate, which doesn't do that. This is the other thing I see a lot. People are like, I'm taking magnesium at bedtime, but they're taking magnesium oxide or citrate, which is just making them poop in the morning, but it's not actually helping them sleep no. as well. So look at what kind of magnesium you're taking. Good pointers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so switching gears yet again. So you told me you've been working on finishing your Series A yeah. at Parsley Health, which is huge news, knocking on wood for you Knock right now. Yeah. How do you vision this investment transforming your business and, and bringing your, your dreams to life? Yeah. So it's such an interesting point at Parsley because I don't have to raise money. We've become successful on our own, which is really awesome. And raising money, for those of you who don't, do this or aren't in this world. Um, it's interesting. It's really interesting as a woman, as a single founder and as a doctor, um, I have the cards like stacked against me, uh, statistically, right. Although we're seeing this wave, uh, in the investor community right now of recognizing that they, people need to start funding women founders. Now that doesn't mean that wave has translated completely into reality yet, but I just do feel this like groundswell of change, which is nice and good timing. Yep. Uh, and, and absolutely just, needs to happen. I mean, this is just a crazy stat, but women, this is long established Pew Research, women drive 80% of healthcare spending in the United States. And yet women, there are less than 4% of healthcare CEOs are women, and even fewer of them are actual doctors. So the people in charge of our healthcare, you have to understand, are not the people who are driving spending in healthcare, nor are they people who have any understanding of what happens in a doctor's office. And I think that's where we just have this massive, terrible disconnect so that the services we experience in healthcare, which are dictated by insurance, are not only a mess because of the payer model, but they're a mess because of like the disconnect between who's in charge and who's actually the user. Right. And so that's something that for Parsley... As a female doctor who's a mom, to be leading a healthcare company for me is just this opportunity to create healthcare in the way that, frankly, most people who are using healthcare want and need. Um, but yeah, fundraising is really stressful. Uh, it's not something that I learned to do in medical school. Uh, I was around it a little bit at my first company, but uh, I'm learning as I go. And honestly, the, it's it's really hard. It's really, really hard. And it's scary because you're giving up part of your company or can feel that way. Um, but in return, you're getting, married. you're getting married to investors who are going to be on your board and working with you and have input when it used to just be you in charge. 
And that's all really scary, but I deeply believe, or at least our mission at Parsley, and hopefully we'll get somewhere close to this, but is to build something that's truly like affects a lot of people and is a new healthcare system. And I think it will be really, I could do that slowly and organically over time, or I could try to uh, add the capital that I need to invest in building the technology that I'm talking about that will let us help anyone anywhere in building the technology that just makes the medical practices that we have even better and easier to interact with, where you can really own your data, your health data, and understand it and edit it yourself and understand your health story as your life story, which is a big concept we focus on. Um, Make lives better for doctors. We're going to be building out beautiful end-to-end spaces in our cities where you truly feel healed from because you walk in the door. And so I'm trying to focus less on, whoa, this is scary, and, you know, am I ready for this, and is this the right thing, and now, you know, the stakes are higher, and focusing more on just, like, the opportunity that investment brings in what we can build, and then also feel like, hey, like, it's so stupid, I guess, to say this, but, like, you know, if not me, who, if not now, when, like, how else, like, how else is this going to happen if I don't even, like, try? Right. So I'm going to try. Well, the conversation around access is so timely right now. We just talked to our audience, and 80% of them feel that there's enough access to wellness for them, but 55% think that for the world at large, there's still not enough access to wellness. And you know, we're in an age of peak wellness, but there's still so many healthcare crises that we need to address. So thank you for taking that on. Uh, I know that entrepreneurship is always easy. It's a walk in the park. It's super glamorous. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> but but what are some of those challenges that you've learned in running a business that maybe you didn't expect? Because I can imagine you're wearing so many more hats than you did in your previous life and are probably learning a lot of things on the fly. What have been some of those hard lessons? Oh my gosh. Um, so many. I mean, you literally, I just always feel like I'm rebuilding the ship while it's flying or the plane while it's flying. And so you're like, ah, I just have to make a thousand decisions today and I've never made any of them before. So I'm just going to make them and hope that they're the right thing and go with my gut. I mean, it's as the company has gotten bigger. I'm sure your gut's really healthy. Oh, it's a, it's a good gut. But uh, first of all, lessons I've learned, listen to my gut. I mean, I know people say this all the time, but when I have that funny feeling about someone I'm hiring or someone I'm interacting with and I can't put my finger on it and everything on paper looks perfect and I tell myself I should move forward, but there's some aspect of me that doesn't want to, anytime I have not listened to that, I have regretted it. Right. Uh, so I think the biggest lessons for me have been like take a beat that sometimes you feel like you have to rush and make all these decisions so quickly, but sometimes if you just wait a little bit, problems can solve themselves and or you can get the key advice you need. Uh, As a solo founder, I don't have a co-founder. I don't have somebody else who's like, I've done all this before and I'm going to be the person you talk to about it every day. So I have a really close network of advisors and early investors who have been that for me in all different capacities. And so the hard part is facing like, I don't know how to negotiate this deal or I don't know how to talk to investors or I don't know how to structure this contract. Like all these things that again, you don't learn in medical school. Um, uh, I don't know how to build this crazy financial model that I have no capacity to build. So I'm, I go to that like close network that I've formed and the thing that at the end of the day, and like, I know this sort of sounds silly too, because it just seems so obvious, but it's not, it's just like 
people are everything. The people you work with, the people who are your, are your investors, the people who are your advisors. I mean, I had, this is funny, like it was a couple weeks after having Dax last year, I had started raising our seed round like when I was pregnant at the beginning of the year and I just wasn't able to finish it before I had him. So I just stopped raising for like four or weeks or so, uh, which is not, if anyone understands, fundraising is like not ideal. It's not optimal. Not optimal. Um, and so that happened and it was like four or six weeks after something like that. And one of my like early angel investors is the CEO of his own company. I was sitting having breakfast with him and I was freaking out and I was like, I don't know if I can close this round and I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm like worried about money and, and, and any, everything that I've built. And I was talking about like the minutia costs of like rent or something in San Francisco. And he looked at me and he was like, Robin, where, where is the woman who like gives a Ted talk? Like, pull it together. Like no one cares about your rent in San Francisco. Like no one cares about these minutia things. Like get yourself back together and, and, and remember that like, this is the vision that you're selling here. Right. And I just needed this like wake up call. Cause I had just gone into this. I don't know if I was depressed exactly, but I was just like floating. I described it actually as worse than floating. I described that time as like feeling like I was, um, like sliding down a wall by my fingernails. Like I just felt like everything was falling apart. And I, it was this moment of like, can I be a mom and do this? Can I function optimally? I don't, you know, it was just, everything felt like wrong. And, but it really came down to me kind of gathering myself and like getting my belief in myself back. And as soon as I did that, I like closed the round. Amazing. Well, bringing a baby is hard enough into the world. And then you throw in being a solo founder, raising money. It's the perfect trifecta. Yeah. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So what advice would you have given to 20-something-year-old Robin, who might not have been in medical school yet? Um, hmm. I would have said, well, I sort of did this, but I would say, like, just, just don't let anyone count you out and don't get told what you think you should do. I think I spent a long time trying to like fit myself into other people's boxes. And yet I just constantly had this nagging that like, I'm just not going to go be a cardiologist. Like, I don't know why, but like, that is not my path. And I did ultimately do this, but I think a lot of the stress and, and freak outs along the way were at feeling like maybe I, I shouldn't. Not as much as I couldn't, but that like I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be doing something different. I shouldn't be taking this other path. I should find a way to fit. Medicine is very hierarchical. It's very tracked. So there's a lot of pressure to sort of fit into the mold in that culture, I find. Um, and I know other doctors who feel this way too. So I think for me, I just would have said like keep doing what you're excited about doing and do the, th- the things that you're passionate about and motivate you and don't feel bad about yourself because you don't want to do the thing that you think you're supposed to do. And what does true wellness mean to you? Oh, true wellness means feeling calm, feeling energized and knowing and having the tools you need to get back there when you don't, because we all are going to have times when we're sick or we don't feel well and you're never stuck if you know what to do to get back to where you feel good. Thanks so much for coming today to chat with us. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome.